Now I want you to remember that no bastard ever won a war by dying for his country. He won it by making the other poor dumb bastard die for his country. George C. Scott as General George Patton in the film Patton, 1970. History Podcast, where we set the historical record straight no matter who it might offend. I'm Paul, and a couple days ago I released an episode called 10 Great Western Movies Every History Buff Should See. I'm going to do one more in that same vein, but this time we're going to look at war movies. Now I'll say at the beginning, these are my favorite war movies. These are ones I'll watch over and over again. Not all of them are historically accurate. One in particular you were going to know immediately is not historically accurate, really, at all. But, it's still fun to do. What I did find is that picking my 10 favorite westerns was hard, and I actually cheated and picked 12. Picking 10 war movies is near impossible. I'm going to try it anyway, knowing full well I'm going to leave off some that critics would consider classics and some that you may love. But remember, these are my favorites, and all of them have at least enough history to get you interested, even the one that, in particular, is not historical at all. So let's get started. Number one, and one of my all-time favorite war movies, or movies in general, is Black Hawk Down, from 2001. It's based on the 1999 book by journalist Mark Bowden and it depicts the disastrous Special Forces raid in Mogadishu, Somalia in 1993 to capture warlord Mohammed Farah Idid. Part of the reason that this film succeeds where so many contemporary war films fail is it avoids any real commentary on the politics of the conflict, which always biases a story to one degree or another. Black Hawk Down simply shows us the battle from the viewpoint of the Army Rangers and Special Forces troops that took part. This makes it a human story as much as a war story. The filmmakers also used accurate aircraft, weapons, and other gear, thereby avoiding easily noticed errors like repainting American tanks to look like German ones as they did in the 1965 film The Battle of the Bulge. Also, having been active duty Army at the time that this film portrays, I can personally attest that the dialogue and the interaction of the soldiers is 100% accurate. Next up, we have The Great Escape from 1963, one of the great World War II movies, and it's a true story, with the type of all-star cast that World War II movies tend to feature, James Garner, James Coburn, Richard Attenborough, Charles Bronson, and Steve McQueen, to mention just a few. Now, it's not a war film in the classic sense, with no major battle scenes at any point, but it's compelling throughout nonetheless. As a kid, I watched it not just for the action, but in the hopes that someday I could learn to be as cool as Steve McQueen. I'm still hoping. Our next film is the one that I was referring to when I said it is not at all historically accurate. Inglorious Bastards from 2009. I also included a Quentin Tarantino film in our Western episode with Django Unchained. And this one is exactly what you'd expect from Quentin Tarantino, 
except when it isn't. In other words, it's hard to classify it other than to say, if you don't mind a little over-the-top violence, it's a damn good story. Yes, it's absolutely alternative history. Playing the what-if game is always fun, and Tarantino takes it to a level few would even consider. And even with Brad Pitt in the lead role, it's Christoph Waltz and Daniel Bruhl who steal this show. Our fourth film is Master and Commander, The Far Side of the World, from 2003. It's not easy to make a historically accurate film about life on a 19th century British warship, but this movie does it. The characters are fictional, but everything from the uniforms to the dialogue to the ship itself is spot on. Director Peter Weir had entire period accurate ships constructed using original historical blueprints and consulted diaries and transcripts from that era to get every detail right. Now, none of this would matter if it wasn't also a rollicking good movie to watch, which it definitely is. Russell Crowe and Paul Bettany shine, especially when they're on screen together. Our next film is one of the most historically accurate films you're ever going to encounter. Torah, Torah, Torah from 1970. Now, in contrast to the 2001 Michael Bay travesty, Pearl Harbor, Torah, Torah, Torah remains the best film ever made about the attack on Pearl Harbor five decades after it was released. It was the first film made following the war to show both sides of the battle. The American scenes were filmed by an American director and the Japanese scenes by a Japanese director. It took nearly 30 years for that to happen and it's rarely happened since. We see both the lead up to the attack and the attack itself from both the Japanese and American points of view. And best of all, there's no jingoistic flag waving, just a compelling an accurate account of a key moment in our history. Next, we have The Alamo from 2004, and I've talked about this film before on this podcast. This movie gets everything right that the classic 1960 John Wayne film of the same name didn't, including the generally unknown fact that there were only two frontal assaults during the 13-day siege, one at the start and one at the end, with constant bombardment in between. It's the first film about the battle to show the prominent role that Tejanos played on the Texan side, and the first to portray the Mexican army soldiers as real people who showed as much bravery as the Anglo and Tejano defenders. It also, very importantly, gets the deaths of William Barrett Travis, Davy Crockett, and Jim Bowie right, which is very rare. If you want to see a true depiction of both sides of the conflict that created Texas, check this movie out. Next, we have We Were Soldiers from 2002. In the nearly two decades since this one came out, it has steadily moved up the list of not only my favorite Vietnam War movies, but my favorite Mel Gibson movies as well. It didn't hurt that I love the book that this film is based on by General Hal Moore and journalist Joe Galloway. The film chronicles the Battle of the Idrang Valley in November 1965, the first major battle between the U.S. Army and the People's Army of Vietnam. The build-up to the action is a little bit slow, but once it starts, it doesn't stop until the final credits. The cast is excellent, especially Sam Elliott as Sergeant Major Basil L. Plumley. Next up, we have another one that's not exactly historically accurate. Captain America, The First Avenger, from 2011. Now you may be asking yourself, wait a minute, are you really listing a Marvel movie? Well, yes. Yes, I am. 
It's set during World War II, and it's no more over-the-top revisionist history-wise than Inglorious Bastards was. It's got great battle scenes, a hero we can admire and pull for, and it reintroduced one of the greatest pop culture characters ever. Could I find a way to work Marvel into other episodes? I can do this all day. Next up, we have The Last Samurai from 2003. I'm normally not a big Tom Cruise fan, but I absolutely love this film. From a historical accuracy perspective, it does get a lot wrong, especially with regard to Ken Watanabe's character, Katsumoto. But the movie is so good, it doesn't matter. The battle scenes are thrilling, the cinematography is stunning, and Watanabe is stellar. Next up, we have Patton from 1970. Now, this film and the next one on the list, which will bring you to 11 instead of 10, would be here even if I had to narrow the list to two for a simple reason. They're the first war movies I ever watched with my grandfather when I was a kid. Many John Wayne Westerns preceded them, but as for war pictures, I'll always treasure these because of their connection to my granddad. That this one is George C. Scott's most iconic role obviously doesn't hurt, and Carl Malden often steals the show as General Omar Bradley. The second film I watched with my grandfather was The Longest Day, 1962. My grandfather aside, this remains one of the great films about World War II ever made. The first 20 minutes of Saving Private Ryan are more accurate and more graphically jarring, historically. But this first post-war film about the D-Day landings more than makes up for it with an all-star cast that includes Henry Fonda, Robert Mitchum, John Wayne, Richard Burton, Sean Connery, Rod Steiger, Kurt Jurgens, and Werner Hintz. It's one of the few three-hour films that simply does not feel that long. Now, because I refuse to go over 11 this time, but I can't leave these off, I want to give an honorable mention to Lawrence of Arabia, from 1962, Zulu from 1964, and Zero Dark Thirty from 2012. Now I realize that I did not include films like Apocalypse Now, Platoon, Full Metal Jacket, Saving Private Ryan except for that one mention, The Hurt Locker, 1917, and The Thin Red Line, all of which I like a lot and have seen more than once. They simply aren't ones I'll go out of my way to watch again as good as they are. Just like I'll always listen to Springsteen's Darkness on the Edge of Town more often than his Tunnel of Love album, though I love it too. Either way, check these films out. They're great entertainment, and they contain at least enough history to get you interested. So enjoy it, pop some popcorn, and we'll see you again soon. Thanks for listening to today's episode. I hope you found it both informative and entertaining. If you'd like to help us keep episodes like this coming, please consider clicking on the support this podcast link in the show notes. Thanks a lot.